to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story... 2020 election irregularities have risen to the level of a full-on dialectic fed by both sides. And in my opinion, it is serving a much bigger agenda. I thought it was just serving the election, federalizing the election or switching to a popular vote. I thought that the agenda it was serving was about the election itself. But that doesn't make sense, especially in the context of that very early Rockfin video that you and I did, Binkley, where you sent to me, you showed us, played for us, the tripwire stuff where information operations officers from across government told us that they might use, and I believe it was the next presidential election election, which would have been 2020, to emphasize the danger we are in from far, from Russia specifically. I think you said they also highlighted China, but we yeah. had our eyes on Russia. But now that I see, I, I just couldn't figure it out. I kept waiting for that shoe to drop. But after something that I watched this weekend, it's come clear to me Maybe it's obvious once I articulate it, but it took a second for all the registers to fall into place, is that it's about it is about China, that the script has flipped from Russia stole the election for Trump to China stole the election for Biden. So that that is a pathway that's already been laid for Trump. I've noticed this before. They like to use parallel stuff because it your your pathways and your brain are ready for it. Yeah, there's also part of the narrative is that China is amplifying the election fraud stories to try and divide America. Oh, interesting, because the election fraud stories are meant to divide America. They are meant to divide America there then. And here's the thing. So I believe that we always have election fraud. So. Usually people call you a conspiracy nut. Now there's an unbelievable amount of evidence and the fraud itself, while the left dismisses it as small and marginal, it's actually extremely significant because of the small margin of um, er the small margin of victory in the critical path places that Biden got. So it it is actually requires more intense scrutiny, which we're getting. So when I looked at over the weekends, we talked to Garland, as always. He was part of a multi-hour, many-hour expose analysis in-depth um, series of videos from Mike Lindell, the my pillow guy. Garland was in on that. And from what I saw of it, I haven't gone through it all yet. They have very, very compelling evidence to show that there have been there were definitely election irregularities. But one thing in that whole series of stuff, and it was right up front that left me skeptical. And Garland said that he had been skeptical, but was convinced when he was there on the scene was that they had a Colonel Phil Waldron, who is a 27 year army vet. He was actually a um, combat arms and unconventional warfare specialist. He trained with the special forces. He now runs onewarrior.com, which is a 10 class course on weapons and self-defense that I really want to take. It's in Dripping Springs in Texas, which is outside Austin. He also does one shot distillery, Texas, which is used to support veterans and first responders while promoting um, 
spirits. So the guy's interesting. He doesn't seem like a cyber security expert to me, but I guess he's got enough bones because he did have unconventional warfare in his job description. But he said something that was so full of jargon that and it's so clearly like reflected what we're meant to have implanted in our brains about what is wrong with the election. He said that what happened that night, that there was evidence that this was Chinese interference and I question the evidence because, as you pointed out, Bill Binney's expose of the Russia stuff was they're not so sloppy. They're going to leave their IP addresses there and they're easy to fake those IP addresses. And I've actually seen a bot attack, which definitely didn't come from the places it looked like it was coming from. Just doesn't yeah. work that way. I don't think. But, you know, I'm no expert. I don't know if this guy is. But he said it was a cyber unconventional asymmetric warfare conducted by a peer threat nation state against U.S. government critical infrastructure. Now, that seems like jargon designed to trip uh, red flag type language on a predefined um, set of protocols, either for assessing a threat or categorizing it as something that could justify pre uh, preemptive action. I just smell around with this stuff. It's the same language that was used in that CyberCon podcast that we deconstructed. Yeah, I believe that. And then the other thing, I mean, it certainly reminded me of it. The other thing is that uh, he was being championed now, this Waldron, by Frank Gaffney, who's a really sketchy character, in my opinion. He was a Johns Hopkins guy, Georgetown guy, and then he just went off the deep end and started being a CFP guy, which is like the Republican right-wing version of the CFR, supposedly, but it is so tiny in comparison. Fringy, not very powerful, but it's... If you do think that there is a two-sided thing here, that Trump is like the Republican neocons and Biden represents neoliberals that really are battling it out at numerous layers of the world chessboard, Frank Gaffney. But the very fact that he's a Johns Hopkins guy and a Georgetown guy turned, you know, turned right wing is enough to make me think that he's a plant. The Southern Poverty Law Center hates him, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. he likes this guy, Waldron, and he is an he is known. He's cited by the Southern Poverty Law Center as being super anti-Muslim. And Mike Lindell, his his job, I think his book was called With God, All Things Are Possible. Like he's a super Christian guy. I think he's totally straight up. What you see is what you get, that guy. But he brings that Christian thing in, coupled with anti-Muslim thing. And the next step, very short step over, I'm sure, will be anti-Semitic stuff. And that, to me, folds into the Q thing, folds into the anti-China thing. I think this election integrity dialectic is there to to be the next step to the Chinese dialectic, which might not be about war with China, or if it is, it's not about adversary China. It's about synthesis with China. That is mm -hmm. also a dialectic. Yeah, there's the kind of competing synthesis or war with China. And the Russian factor is still in there. It still shows up when there's a QAnon-related thing. Is generally, they try and connect it to Russia in the media. So I, I think they might ultimately pair Russia with China at some point in the future, which they've alluded to a little bit. Don't know how soon that will be. But there was an interesting article in... Time magazine over the weekend 
That Time Magazine, by the way, is owned by a guy named Mark Benioff, who is also the CEO of Salesforce. And we played a number of clips from Mark Benioff at Davos, where he enthusiastically expressed how the heroes of 2020 are the CEOs of international mega corporations because they enacted contact tracing. They got people kicked off of platforms. So this is the guy who owns Sam Magazine. Go ahead. I think he's on the board of the World Economic Forum. You, and, you might be right. And I know that the, at Salesforce entered the Dow last year. So Salesforce is a huge cyber company. Yeah, interestingly enough, he in mid-2020, he vowed to stay out of politics after buying Time magazine. And this we see this article, which is titled, The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign That Saved the 2020 Election. The gist of this, a well-funded cabal of powerful people working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change the rules and laws, and to steer the media coverage and control the flow of information. They weren't rigging the election, they were fortifying it. Why would they tell us this? Why would they just put this out there? First of all, this is the stuff we've been telling you about for years. We've been telling you that Stacey Abrams has been doing vote harvesting. They've been doing pressure campaigns to get people kicked off platforms. They've been working with corporations through getting people kicked off boards, putting commercials out there. There's social justice. Why are they telling the public about this? And that's the real story. Go ahead. Is that called gaslighting? I mean, gaslighting is so hard to get your mind around. Gaslighting is when you try to make someone think they're crazy. Yeah. There's also, it often gets misused instead of triggering it's not because it's not quite triggering the right it's admitting to all the stuff that they call the right crazy for thinking and i think that's gaslighting i guess it could be a form of gaslighting i what i think it's it's a squirrely concept it is and it it moves around based on who's using it and what they're trying to accomplish but it tells you in the article why they feel they need to do this they say They need to do this. They're telling this story right now because they believe the public needs to understand the system, the democratic system's fragility in order to ensure that democracy in America endures. And it goes on to say that it's massively important for the country to understand that this getting the win for Biden, it didn't happen accidentally. The system doesn't work magically. Democracy is not self-executing. So in order for democracy to work, it must be corporate fact. Fascism is what I'm getting from right there. Oh, go ahead. I know you got something to There's say. There's just too many. First of all, that is the same BS that New Knowledge said, but after they were caught doing it, like we had to, we had to demonstrate what Russian bots can do. Yes. And that's, and this demonstrated how vulnerable the election was. We actually did change the election or we didn't, we might, you know, it seems like we did because what we were trying to do actually got done, but it wasn't because of us. So that was just a BS cover up but they were saying that they were doing it in the name of transparency in the name of showing the world that elections are a tripwire yes and that's what telling. he's saying to us we wanted to show you this tripwire wow that's nuts 
And there's another flip side to that coin. We have to read that quote and replay. Maybe on our next Rockfin, we can have a little Rockfin after show where you replay the tripwire clip and read that quote because that's what the tripwire is. The tripwire is to let something bad happen so the American people see that they're vulnerable to that bad thing happening. I hate that so much. To me, that is the height of immorality. And it goes actually hand in hand with preemption, which I also think is the yeah. very definition of immorality. And the other side of this coin is probably going to make you want to play some some mini off clips at the same time as well, because the other side of this coin is not only is it demonstrating the problem, it's demonstrating the solution. And when you read this article, it's abundantly clear. In fact, it's almost it's almost like you're listening to the Rockfin clips that we played last week at Davos of Mark Benioff speaking at Davos. They're making the public see that stakeholder capitalism works, that the Great Reset is effective. The model works. It saved democracy. It saved us from this tyrant Trump and the public. You see, we saved you. This is going to work. You want stakeholder capitalism. You want Mark Benioff and his billionaire friends running the world. And this is why, because if you don't allow us to run the world, then you're going to have somebody like Trump taking over. I mean, that is that is the takeaway from this article. Mark Benioff, the PayPal guy, all these corporate leaders, everybody we saw at the Great Reset at Davos talking about stakeholder capitalism, which is which means that they are putting the community and social justice and climate change efforts first. That is why democracy was saved. Capitalism is dead. Stakeholder capitalism takes over. The all-powerful Mark Benioff and his corporate fascist friends are going to rule the world. That's my takeaway. It really disenfranchises people, and it's a form of fascism. Yeah. uh, And, you know, speaking of disenfranchising, God. Mark Benioff says, literally, the heroes of 2020 are the CEOs who did all those things. This, <laughs> yeah. That's the entire theme of this article is the heroes. The movie is already written. Right. I guarantee you the villain is Donald Trump and his QAnon cronies. Right. The heroes are these international fascists that step in. They won't be portrayed as fascists. And that's going to be the movie. I guarantee you. And and But he is not talking about... CEOs like Mike Lindell, who I felt really was a throwback to that 50s entrepreneurial guy who makes his money but wants to do good with it. And other guys like him really look for that integrity, reputation, values and the people they want to do business with. There's no place for that guy in the cancel culture. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Cancel culture. We have a new name for cancel culture. It's been rebranded for us by Brian Stelter of Reliable Sources, the most unreliable source on television. According to Brian, it's not cancel culture. It's consequence culture. And this is related to Lou Dobbs getting kicked off or having his show no longer going to be on Fox. And they're saying they're implying that he's not going to be on Fox anymore because he was included in the Smartmatic lawsuit. And they went on to talk about how the new frontier of the fight against disinformation is going to be defamation lawsuits. And I think that this is interesting that that's coming up, at least the way they framed it this week, same week as the impeachment starts, because we have the impeachment process going on, which is an attack on the First Amendment through that uh, avenue. Then we have another attack on the First Amendment through this defamation avenue. That's interesting. Yes, the impeachment starts tomorrow. The idea of the defamation thing being dangerous, I thought of that a while back. Like the MAGA hat kids, I was very happy for them to 
get their settlement via Lynn Wood. It was a great thing. I was happy about that. They seem very authentic to me. But I noticed at the time, because other defamation suits were coming down, that you it, there's a lot of discretion there with, with defamation suits. And you can't, like the gawker, I, I don't hope that was defamation. It might have been. Uh, it seemed like a weird outcome that you really shouldn't have shut down Gawker because of their Hulk Hogan thing, but they did. And it just goes to show that it, it, it is, it is a very powerful weapon to be used by a corrupt judiciary to silence some people and shield others. So like when I talk, uh, people have said to me, well, you have nothing to worry about. Well, I got cut down. I got taken down from WordPress from something that they literally sent me the precedent of why why I would never get taken down. And what am I supposed to do? Nothing. They wouldn't even give me access to the information. So it's really a sword and a shield. And it and I anticipate that it'll be abused, like you say, to curtail the First Amendment. And it's interesting, too, that the possibly one of the best, one of America's best defamation lawyers has been such a center of controversy over the past couple totally of Totally corrupted. Yeah. So he's out of the picture, really, because now he's getting neutralized. I don't know why. Maybe he has skeletons, maybe something else. I really don't know why. But he is no longer. He's the MAGA hat hero. The Richard Jewell hero is no longer a he's no longer in your corner. He's no longer in anybody's corner because he jumped the shark. But I will say Lou Dobbs was in Garland's corner. When I heard Garland was on Lou Dobbs, I was like, big snaps oh, I for Lou about Dobbs. That. And I mean, that if you were going to ask me to pick a reason why Lou Dobbs got taken down, he probably was not going to um, accept the memo that surely went down at Fox like it did at Cumulus. We're not talking about election integrity. And at the same time, the lawyers told Garland not to make those public appearances, which he accepts and he trusts those people. He's a very... yeah. Um, trusting guy, but uh, you know, I always wondered taking Garland out of the mainstream isn't, you know, it isn't doing him any favors, and this just seems to support that they're silencing this conversation nationally. Absolutely. One thing that really blew my mind yesterday when we were talking to Garland, I was looking up something, and I found an article that I sent you and Garland, and I know this stuff happens, but when you're dealing with somebody and you're talking to them and you see it happening to them, it's just and like, they wow. they look you in the eye and they say, yes, that is what happened. There is nothing more to the story. Yeah. In this case, I'm talking when I asked him during uh, the interview, the conversation yesterday, I asked him, did you ever get be interviewed by I can't even remember the name of the publication. It was a random publication. And he said, no, they never interviewed me. And there was a fact check on this publication saying that they interviewed Garland. And I'm like, it's just unbelievable. They're just blatantly lying. That's amazing. Are you going to drop that conversation we had with him yesterday in the feed today? Yes. Yes. I will drop it later awesome, on. Awesome. Because there's, he tells us about his experience getting hung up on, getting yep. slandered by, hung up on, and then slandered by again, Eric Erickson, if I'm reading that right. Listen for yourself to see if you would count that as slander. So, but let's move on to a more fun topic. Like the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah. Perhaps that was just rather boring Super Bowl. The almost said the Patriots, not the Patriots, because right, right. Tom Brady, Tom Brady, and the Tampa exactly. Bay Buccaneers won thirty-one Tom. to nine. Yeah, and I noticed the uh, the narratives a little bit. I was wondering which way the narratives were going to go based on who won. So if Kansas City won, it was going to be celebration 
on the left because they hate Tom Brady and they were kind of already promoting and propping up this younger quarterback who won the Super Bowl last year as as he's overtaking this evil Tom Brady and that didn't happen because they didn't win the game. Whether it's rigged or not, I, I don't know. So one of the narratives became super spreader event to look at all these people partying outside of Tampa. These Floridians are killing people. They're going to take us back six months on the pandemic and that became one of the dominant narratives there. I just think it's funny because Florida has been kind of open and I'm surprised they're not getting more right. flack. I'm also surprised that it wasn't in Broward County because all all fishy things in Florida seem to happen Everything. in Broward County. Yeah. So here's a few things I noticed from the I Super actually Bowl. looked it up what county it's in. I think Hillsborough or something like that. But that would have been great Broward. if it was in <laughs> I know. Broward I expected County. it to be. I was like, they gotta give give a little something back to Broward because like Tampa won everything this year, didn't they? Didn't Tampa like have like some crazy amount of championships? Well, this their year? baseball team made the playoffs. They didn't all get right. to the World Series but they were close. So a couple things I noticed at the Super Bowl. Halftime show. Someone named The Weeknd. (laughs) I've never heard of in my life. Never heard any of his music. He did a halftime show surrounded by what looked like an army of faceless red-eyed demons to me that had robotic-like maneuvers. I was like, what is this that I'm watching right now? And they were wearing red, shiny jackets. It was it was strange. The Grammy, to say the, least. the Grammys always has that, like something like really red and fiery that just smells yeah. of black mass. But I didn't watch it, so I don't. I just walked past the TV. I saw it up there, and I was like, "Oh, they're wearing masks," but they yeah, weren't of masks, course. right? I don't know they were what bandages. They, were. they said bandages. But speaking of mask, what I noticed is Kansas City, and I'm sure they were doing it on the other side too, but I noticed it more. I just I just saw Kansas City players doing it, their quarterback specifically. Kansas City players wearing mask on the sideline. Although Tom Brady I'd never saw wearing a mask on the sideline. Maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> but the, the other quarterback was wearing a mask. So, you know, you're dogpiling. Mahomes? Yeah, Mahomes. You know, you that's got, my favorite name of all time. It's a good name. Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, he's Mahomes. everybody's buddy. Yeah, he's Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me get this straight. You're dogpiling with 20 other men on a field. You're just on top of each other going for a fumble or something. Yeah, You're tackling people to the ground. their sweat. Like yeah, yeah. Maybe probably particles. tasting their sweat, probably. Yeah. And then you get off the field, you take your helmet off, and you walk over the sideline and put on your mask. How stupid is this? I mean, it's like a... a set of a porno the director yells cut everybody stops doing it and they put their face mask on it's absolutely absurd <laughs> and the commercial but of course the big story is always the commercials yeah the commercial that stood out to me the most there was some social justice commercials as expected but the one that was the most social justice was the Jeep Wrangler commercial and I did look it up and yes Jeep is in on the great reset in the World Economic Forum that's still a 100% you're, rate yeah, you're that 100%, has happened right? yeah uh, their commercial it was very short commercial but the theme that made me notice it was at the very end, they put the reunited states of America across the screen. Oh, because really? Is Joe that, Biden is reunited. Is that really the zeitgeist? They really have the Yeah, the that's, that's how everybody of, uh, feels. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. The best commercial, although also very propaganda, was the Amazon Alexa commercial, where this year it was, don't you wish you could put anybody, Amazon Alexa's voice in anybody? And this woman uh, imagined 
Michael B. Jordan having Amazon Alexa. And of course, her husband's getting jealous because he's talking to her Alexa. Then she's taking a bath with her Alexa, which could electrocute you possibly. But that made me think <laughs> if the voice can go in anybody. Right. And that's how you're trying to sell. Yeah, you're trying to sell Amazon uh, through that. That could be Harvey Weinstein in the bathtub with you as your Amazon Alexa. It could be just as disgusting as it is beautiful. Well, what if your Alexa comes in the form of a person at some point? That seems like what they might be teeing up here. Yeah. So your sex bot is your Michael sex bot Jordan. is also your Alexa. That's, that's an interesting. <laughs> so there's my Super Bowl recap. Did you watch? That it? was great. No, I. Nobody, even my, I think my husband was a little disappointed that even my son would watch it with him. It, like, people didn't care. seem to be into it really this <laughs> Nobody year. Nobody cares. Um, it, it still puts me off when chicks do the announcing. Yes. Oh, they had the first female yeah, I just, referee. I it sounds weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I heard that. All right. Before we get to our last big story, the free 30, which is going to be the shooting meme has risen again. Monica is going to tell us a little bit about that. Uh, quick heads up on what we're going to talk about in the patron 15. Dogecoin, doggy coin was on fire last night. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. And we are going to talk a little bit about when calling someone a chief is an insult. I think Monica has a lot to say about that. And I want to talk to you about our sponsor for today. A big thank you to Neighbors Feed and Seed. And Neighbors Feed and Seed, they have the goods that you need for a good living. They have your, I don't want to say survivalist, but survivalist because... You can learn how to grow stuff there. You have friendly people who work there. You got James and Bill who will give you personal care. They will help you start your garden if you want to learn to start a garden. They've helped me. They've helped Monica. They've sent us care packages, starter kits, I would say, because I am i don't have a green thumb at all. I'm dumb to this stuff, but they make it easy. They will give you fantastic care. Get all your, your chicken feed, your bird seed, organic dog food. My dog loves the treats that Bill has sent. And Bill has told me that you can call or email the shop and he will personally connect you with whatever it is that you need. He'll answer your questions. He gives fantastic personal care. That is what they stand for over at Neighbors Feed and Seed. So a big thank you to them. And they got tons of new seeds in. And of course, thank you to all of our patrons who is what makes this show happen. If you guys want to get involved in that, you want to help us produce the show, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and join the basic level, become a true sponge. For seven bucks, you're going to get all of the exclusive content that we post to Patreon. We do 15 minutes of Patreon content. It usually goes a little bit longer. And... We also respond to emails. Monica specifically is the most responsive person in media when it comes to interacting. Every patron message, uh, I try to not let 24 hours pass before I talk to yeah, you. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable because it is not easy to, to keep up with. And Monica does a great job. A big and growing community. Absolutely. We have a fantastic community, too. We let our hair down a little bit in the patron 15, get a little more personal, a little more fun, a little more offbeat. And it gives you give it a month. Try it out. See for yourself. If you like it, sick. If you don't, no harm done. And... We also have some early releases that we do. We do patron-only interviews and Q&As. We have a lot of fun Q&As, so do that. You can join the Patreon parties we have as well, which are my favorites, where we definitely let our hair down. Patreon.com slash Propaganda Report. 
And now on to our final story. Over to you, Monica. (laughs) Well, I noticed that the shooting stuff has been back in the news constantly. Every single day, there's another thing about shooting. It's it's uh, the the black versus blue thing is rising, but it's more that there is a lot of senseless violence. The other day I heard of a teen in, I think was apprehended in Des Moines, but there was a shooting in Wyoming. Um black on black teen on teen it was a fight over a girl when you think about when you hear the gun stats where people say that there's 13,000 murder gun murders a year you have to wonder why one story rises to the surface it's two people who knew each other that's a very common thing it's not unusual and then um but but then there's some stuff that has a few more kind of buzzwords in it and i always think those are going to go somewhere and one of them also i feel like the stuff where the cops were shot the cop was shot shot in that um face off with the child porn warrant being served and there was another you know few cops shot where they were talking about the emotional state of what happens after you get shot at that stuff is always is also uh seems to lead to the whole gun control idea and and the shooting i woke up to this morning the news of was a graduate student at the yale school of the environment so he's a good guy he's an innocent guy i'm sure he's a guy who would be against guns he was shot to death while operating a car so they don't know if maybe he did something wrong that spurred road rage they don't really know his name is jang he served in the national guard so he's also one of america's heroes he served cooked food for the he did cook and serve food at the homeless shelter and he wanted to use his experiences to make a positive difference in the world and his family he's 27 or about to be 27 his family mourns him and i uh don't want to diminish that in any way but i do find that it makes me concerned that the reason these stories are getting a lot of airtime, making sure it's in the news every day, we noticed this before, not lately with Trump, but prior to that, do you, I think we've even talked about it where it's just this background noise level. And we used to say, like, is this going to go somewhere? This story, surely it's going to go somewhere. And I said, you know, I remember from the report from Iron Mountain, they talk about doing studies to see if just a certain number of incidences, a certain level of exposure will will just change people's opinion. And, and at the time, it was literally something like 2,500 or 3,000 deaths, which was how many died in Pearl Harbor, how many died in 9-11, was enough to change people's attitudes towards gun control. And I just feel like we're back to that agenda item. Yeah. And the timeliness of it, you know, with Biden coming in. And well, that's that's where I think it's at. Yeah. I do. And uh, but um, we do have some positivity. So let's get to Andrew's always positive shout out and some shout outs to some new patrons and some uh, top patrons. So Andrew wants to shout out to and thank the generous volunteers at his local chapter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's its acronym is NAMI, pronounced NAMI. I hope anyone who loves and supports someone with mental health problems will go find their local chapter and reach out. They have excellent training courses, online support groups, and tons of things uh, to read. Take care of yourself so you can take care of your people. Good sentiment. It is that that um, reminds me of my favorite Jordan Peterson chapter. 
Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Take care of yourself. Put your own oxygen mask on first. And uh, speaking of helping... Our patrons do keep this going. Without Patreon, we probably have to find an alternative to Patreon someday. But but what is happening on, on Patreon is really fun. I just introduced an opportunity for people on Patreon to request a meetup, which I'm going to start advertising. People set dates and places. If I get two patrons to agree on a place, I will I will start shouting it out on the air. So that's a, a fun new feature for our Patreon f- uh, family. And we thank our uh, our newest patrons, Sonia, Rob, and Kelly, and a couple of top patrons, longtime patrons, top of the list, and longtime generous support, Ken and Janiah. Thank you very much for uh, being there for us. And it absolutely, I hate to quote Hillary, but it does take a village. <laughs> so <laughs> I love the shout out. So I love hearing from patrons. So please message me your shout out if you're a patron saint, and we will read them on the air. Thank you, everybody, for submitting those. And uh, I would say I am chomping at the bit to give you some patron 15 stuff. And there were a few COVID things that we didn't get to during the show. So maybe I can I can tell you about a COVID non-COVID death that just happened. Maybe a little throwback to the days where everybody died of COVID. Interesting. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you do want access to that extra content we talked about earlier, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. Or you can leave us a review if you like. That also helps us show up higher in the search engines as well. Or you can find our video deep dive podcast, including Mark Benioff praising the Great Reset at rockfin.com. Have a fantastic rest of your day. We will talk to you in the Patreon 15 or tomorrow.